Tonight on Unsolved Mysteries, MP Death, Musician Sings the Blues, Social Security, and Foot Locker Bones. co-host crystal and i am your other co-host robert and this is reenacted an unsolved mysteries podcast crystal robert longtime listeners of the pod or anyone uh-huh. who tuned in a few episodes ago will will know that i was really excited about denis villeneuve's uh dune <laughs> I had roped you into being excited about watching it as well. I was excited about it. And um, now I think the Golden Globe nominations just came out a couple okay. of days ago. It is and it has multiple nominations, which usually uh, they reserve anything for, that is sci-fi or fantasy based only gets like VFX and score nominations. Uh, or yeah, that, that's and, usually um, how it depends. Yeah, on. that's yeah. That's how it goes, but it seems to me that, uh, yeah, Denis Villeneuve was um, uh, nominated for Best Director. Perfect. So there's that. I don't remember if it also got a Best uh, Best Picture nomination as well, but I believe it did. Somebody can correct me on that. Um, so we thought we would uh, maybe do a very quick review or thoughts. No spoilers. Is that yeah. what you were thinking? Yeah, okay. sure. Uh, okay. Maybe maybe I can, you know, then just sort of subtly manipulate it so that this ends up taking up the whole podcast and we don't have to talk <laughs> about episode 20 uh, of season five. You know, <laughs> I would so much rather have this whole hour be dedicated to the movie Dune. Um, yeah. So, Robbie, would you like to hear my very spicy take on the movie? Oh, I saw what you did there. Yes, I would like to hear your spicy take. Uh, my very spicy take is um, I thought it was a good movie and I liked it. <laughs> oh, okay. And, and I'm I'm coming in. I haven't. I ne- I didn't see the original film from the eighties. It was the eighties, right, with Kyle MacLachlan. Yeah. Um, yeah, I didn't you're... see that one. Um, I've never read the books, so I'm coming in as kind of a virgin. And so okay. I, I, I like to do that nowadays, though, with, with some of these franchise or big movies or television shows. I like coming in cold, so I don't have a bunch of expectations of like, oh, this wasn't in the book, or <laughs> that's not how so-and-so did it. You right. know, I like to I like to come in with uh, open eyes, but all, but all that said... Um, that makes me really excited, then, to hear what you have to say, because I, like... This is going to sound weird. In the weeks uh-huh. leading up to the release of Dune, uh-huh. I spent I don't know how many hours in front of YouTube l- watching video reactions of people w- trying to find, like, t- to the trailer of, of the film. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, trying to find the ones where the people didn't have any knowledge of the previous uh, film or book or whatever. Mm-hmm. I was just like, oh, I just because, like, to me, it was just immensely fascinating to to hear like someone's take when they they don't have any prior con- prior conceived notions on it. So I'm I'm like yeah. I'm now more even more excited about what you have to say by a factor of 3. Um 
Sure. Okay. Well, I, I mean, other than I, I liked, I liked it. <laughs> I mean, I like, I like that sort of, uh, th- I wish I had seen it in the theater, but we have HBO max and a projector in our den. So that's as good as anything. I might as well just yeah, stay that, home and watch it. That's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I thought, um, it was very immersive and that's what I'm looking for. And that kind of, it, it, I would say it's probably more fantasy than it is sci-fi, at least how it's presented. I mean, there are mm-hmm. spaceships and stuff, but it feels more like a fan, you know, a, uh, you know, the, uh, the prince takes the throne and there's some magic going on clearly. And, right. um, you know, it was a, you know, top notch casting. It looked great. Uh, but again, it's like, well, you know, the the other thing is when, um, what is it called? The uh, first of the Lord of the Rings movies came out back when I was in high school or something. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, oh, God, that was a long time ago. Yeah. Yeah. Fellowship of the Ring. Thank you. The first one that yeah. came out. I was not, I didn't know anything about Tolkien. I hadn't read The Hobbit. I hadn't read any of the Lord of the Rings movies. Um, So I went into Lord, I went into Fellowship of the Ring completely cold. And I was like, that was fucking sick. And then I think I saw it three times in the theater. And that's the only movie I've ever seen more than once in the movie theater. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So it's like, I like a spectacle. And if you give me a spectacle, if you, if you, that's why we go to the movies, right? It's just to be in another world and another time. um, Yeah. For, for a while. And so if, if that's what you think the pinnacle of a movie is, then I think Dune achieved that. And I, I'm so used to like serialized, you know, high budget prestige television, like Game of Thrones and stuff now that I've, I keep finding myself yearning for the next episode of Dune to come out on Sundays (laughs) and realizing (laughs) that it's, that's a film and I won't get that again for, you know, another couple of years. But so that's my, that's my take on it. I don't think there's any spoilers there just in general. It was just a big flashy spectacle interesting world to be in Denis Villeneuve is somebody who comes at things with a vision and is allowed he was allowed in this case to execute it and instead of trying to jam you know a story that I guess takes place over several centuries having to jam that into a two-hour movie he's actually getting to get to do two movies which I think is good I'm glad they're letting him do that. So, as I mentioned, I think in our previous podcast, I think this is perfect. We we got the big budget, we got the the man with the vision to like to 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 capture mm-hmm. capture the book, and and then the important thing: two movies. They're not trying to jam it all into one. Mm-hmm. This 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 worked. Yeah, I I love I, I really loved how how he brought the. Uh, brought the story to the screen. I thought it was uh, probably the definitive um, uh, depiction. Um, And like he accomplished what I thought was basically impossible is he managed Mm -hmm. to make their, their, their dragonfly wing flapping, you know, craft Mm -hmm. uh, not look ridiculous. (laughs) Yeah. Those were really cool. Yeah, I noticed that immediately. It was the uh, the craft, not the interplanetary, or yeah, not the the spaceships, but the um, just uh, like the traveling know, the hoppers. Over, yeah, yeah, that they used yeah. to get around were very cool. I mean, it it it's uh, it's trying to wrap 
put a visual grasp on something that is very far reaching. And I don't, I don't coming in, I coming in with no expectations. I thought it was great. So, yeah. All right. Well, good. Well, I mean, do you, I mean, do you agree with that or? <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. Um, I agree totally. It, it's, um, like I said, I mean, I, I, I think Denis was the perfect guy to tap for this. Yeah. He, he made, yeah. he, he, he he succeeded. He did it. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I was watching over Thanksgiving. Um, my mom was here for a while and we watched uh, the only movie we could all agree on as a family that we would like to watch. And that was The Fifth Element. <laughs> OK. <laughs> a, a, and... a, good, a, good, a good compromise pick that all parties can be uh, uh, satisfied with. I yeah, I, I and it's also a movie we've all seen a hundred times. Like with it, you know, right. between me, Dave, and my mom, we've all seen this movie <laughs> so many yeah. times. And uh, I, I kind of want to think about like if Luke Basson had directed Dune. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, you know, he's another the- another French director, but he just has you know he wrote uh, the the synopsis the plot for the fifth element when he was a kid and then he and then he uh you know worked on it more as an adult and you know basically there's the it's a completely singular um story and vision and tale and it it does nod to other things like you know a little bit to star wars and things like that but it is so completely fucking bonkers right (laughs) that entire movie and then like it was successful and we've all seen it a hundred times, but like, it's never, no one's ever tried to capitalize on it. Like they have with star Wars or whatever. There's no fifth element franchise. That was it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, no, for, for sure. I, I find it, I found the, um, like the fifth element to me, it's just, it's, it's this marvelous movie that is, um, there's just nothing else like it. And yeah, it, it was, it was, it was so refreshing to see it. Like, cause as much as I love Blade Runner, uh, mm-hmm. Blade Runner did kind of, um, it created, it, 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 it shift the paradigm for the, like the next you know, 15 years that, you know, all depictions of cities in the future are going to look like the cities from Bl- Blade Runner. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just going to be this dark, yeah. grimy, you know, it, it um, it's just, I, you see that over and over again. Whereas the fifth element, like just visually, like it's depiction of a city in the future. It's just so colorful and vibrant and just, you know, there's just totally different. And, and that's yeah. what I appreciate. Just like a, just a radically different vision and, and just like, I mean, it, it's got this, uh, I mean, it's the the whole film's just got this 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 tempo and vibe to it that you don't like. You you, you I'm hard pressed to think of any 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 other sci-fi film that 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 has that to it. Yeah, I really wonder what a Luke Besson version of Dune would have looked like. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he would have been the correct person to do it, but I just having watched those movies so close together, I was like, what would that? 
I don't, what the, would that have been like? But Luc Besson was busy making the 14th Taken movie or whatever he's doing. So, oh, okay. Um, well, no, good, <laughs> good for him. Um, all right. Well, should we talk about Unsolved Mysteries? I think we, we vamped for a good 11 minutes on uh, movies that we liked more than this episode of Unsolved Mysteries, but ostensibly we must. Yes, yes. No, I, I, absolutely. Episode 20 of season five. We've been doing ep- season five for two years, it feels like. I mean, that's not true, but it feels like we've been on season five for like two years. Does it, is it, were there more episodes in season five than some previous I don't know. seasons? I kind of feel I like maybe. It just feels like to me, I mean, okay, if there's 25 episodes in a season of Unsolved Mysteries. Mm-hmm. And we have 52 weeks in a year, and we release this podcast every two weeks. Yeah, each se- it's going to take us about a year to do each season. Yeah. Yeah. Um, God damn so- it. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> well, we're just, well, at least we'll have something well, to talk about. Well, the good news is, is like the, the whole world will collapse in on itself and burn to a cinder before we, before we have to finish the whole series. So. Oh, thank God. I can't wait. Yeah. Um, <sighs> I really yeah. don't want to talk about Chad Langford, but we, I think we have to. Yes. Um, yeah. Our first segment, it's uh, it's a, when when I first saw the the little preview for it at the beginning of the episode, I excitedly text uh, texted you because I thought uh, mm-hmm. we were gonna have like a like a few good men situation. Uh huh. Yeah. And you were like, no, no. Nah. Nah. Uh-uh. Um, yeah, it's uh, it takes place on a uh, military base, and we're following Chad Langford, who is a uh, he's an MP, um, and the reenactment. So he's the mas- He's the master of um, parties. Is that what MP oh, means? Oh man, yeah, master of part. Like that. That's his rap name. MP Chad. MP Chad. Yeah. Um. Unfortunately, uh, no. Uh, what he stumbled upon was not a rockin' party. Mm. Um. We we get a reenactment of him pulling up to some sort of situation. And then the guys back in the communication center, they lose contact with him. Mm. And when they send guys out to, to investigate, they come across his his like his belt, his badge and uh, name tag, little badge and his radio like placed so that it's standing up, just laying out in the middle of the street. Which is kind of a weird weird place to come across that stuff. Um, and, and it's obviously not just like something that was dropped by accident because it's, it. they said it was set up to look very deliberate. Um, and then they, they, unfortunately they find his, um, uh, they find his body, uh, not too far from there. And they, uh, next near his automobile, and so they rewind the segment a little bit mm-hmm. and they talk with uh, with his father who tells him that like, you know, not too long before uh, he called him and he was telling him about how he's doing some undercover work 
and you know his father's like oh he sounded really frustrated and you got the idea like something something's not right here and you know they have this reenactment of chad pulling up to a payphone which i guess is like he's he's going to be using the payphone because it won't be traced uh Mm -hmm. to him uh it was just neat to see a payphone booth um as 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 these pop up on unsolved mysteries, uh, a reminder <laughs> of our noble past that yeah. is ever increasingly in danger of extinction. Um, and the guy playing Chad, he, he give he, you know he gives the sort of like uh, I I feel like I'm in a, you know really deep in something, and his father's like you gotta get out, and he's like I can't get out, Dad, I can't get out. Can I interject for yeah. a moment? I didn't realize when I was watching this segment, even though I'm sure they said it, that Chad was only 20. Mm. And the person playing him in the reenactment looks older. Yeah. Like, let's... Is the military... Are the military police really handing a 20-year-old high-level sting operation undercover detective work? (laughs) That's actually. I don't really, know. Is is my yeah. question. I I don't know, but it I it doesn't seem to me that unless you're like, you know, on Twenty One Jump Street or something, <laughs> you're handing a twenty year old, you know, something po- possibly this dangerous. Um, I also don't. I don't know what kind of. This is just my ignorance. I don't know what kind of undercover work would involve a MP in the army. So. Right. I mean, he seems kind of green is all I'm saying for this. No, I concur. And they kind of they kind of make a depiction of him. Um, Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, to me, it it does seem strange, like having a 20 year old. um, So, 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 you know, so fresh, so green. Mm. uh, Yeah. And and you're put into a situation where you're going to have to go undercover, which always strikes me as just incredibly like it would be like the most stressful thing I can imagine. And I would crack so, so easily <laughs> in that. Cause I'm like, it's yeah. like, uh, how, how do I tell them one thing and then them the other? And like, um, um, I, you know, I, I just, I don't want to get in trouble with anyone. So, <laughs> uh, I, I would be horrible at it. Um, uh, and, then we had like uh, a depiction of a, a nice reenactment of Chad's girlfriend, Roxanne recounting how, you know, before Chad's untimely demise, uh, she's like sitting on his bed. Like we need to get married soon. Uh, yeah. is, is what I mostly sort of remember her talking about. And um, she's, she's got, she's got a neat outfit with those boots and that, shirt mm-hmm. and the um i guess i guess she's wearing a skirt too <laughs> <laughs> she has a neat outfit okay <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's 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 a that's a good value neutral uh-huh uh, uh yeah but yeah um chad uh as soon as she she finishes her her spiel on that they have chad looking in the mirror as he's he's doing his hygiene stuff and he's just like yeah and he he lays it on her that they have to break up 
and you know she she's trying to get an answer and you know he, he's like i you know, he, they play it like that sort of situation where so so they ha- he has to break up with her because of the job but he can't tell her and right. they they have like eventually she runs out crying after he throws a glass or something against the wall and it shatters mm-hmm. um then Roxanne well, they, mentions they, yeah oh, they actually interview Roxanne yeah I- IRL Roxanne what was they your do. impression of her? Well, it's definitely not a good thing that Chad was killed. But I guess if there's a silver lining, at least he didn't make the mistake of having of marrying her. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I just when they like I don't you know, I don't think the Chad is dead. We're getting one person's story yeah. about how the breakup went. And uh, her version sounds hella made up to save face, <laughs> which is like, he his job was so important, he thought I might be in danger. And I'm like, yeah. Uh, right, wait, wait, sure. wait, wait, wait. Are you suggesting that, like... He broke up with her for different reasons. <laughs> yeah, because it wasn't there some some implication that he was seeing someone else or something as well. Oh gosh, during that I, I whole guess, scene, I guess yeah, I didn't really so, like, catch that. Yeah, I, um, like he broke up with her because she is headache, and he just made up something so he didn't yeah. have to feel like. You know, when you break up with somebody in your twenty, you don't just you don't just look them in the eye and go, hey. I don't think this is working, and I think it would be best if we didn't see each other anymore. You don't so, do yeah, that when I, you're 20. <laughs> right. I... <laughs> True. I Perhaps an alternative um, hypothesis is that that breakup scene, when she's on the bed, she's not talking about mm-hmm. we should get married. She's saying something like, hey, can I borrow another 80 bucks? And mm. he's like, why are you ask- always asking me for money? And da 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 yeah. You know, I just, you know, and they, they get in a, just a, a fight. And yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, I'll, 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 you, you lay it out pretty well, I would say. Um, and yeah, so they have a breakup. She recounts showing up at a uh, bar or something um, mm-hmm. and seeing him with like some unsavory sort of guys. And she's mm-hmm. like, he looked rad- He looked completely different. He was wearing all black, you know, like yeah. like in the gang. And he had a yeah, they earring. Yeah, gangster style clothing as if that yeah. was a standalone statement. <laughs> yes. Um, and I guess if you're, if you're running with the hypothesis that he was, he was doing the ever undercover work, then mm-hmm. that would be him, um, infiltrating, Being undercover, the, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so, but then we have a, a reenactment of an alt, the, I guess this is the army's, uh, line, line on what happened, mm-hmm. uh, which is they're, they're going with suicide. Yeah. Um, 
And so we, we get a depiction of uh, Chad, like laying out all of his, you know, laying his belt and radio out deliberately on the road for whatever reason. And then, uh, driving off a little bit somewhere else. And then he gets out and he's tying himself up, fires a couple of rounds, uh, off in the distance, stuffs his hat. And I'm impressed that the reenactor was able to get as Mm -hmm. much of his hat into his mouth as he did. Yeah. He Um, really shoved his hat in his, the whole hat in his mouth. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, Props to him for, for, you know, for that. And then a, a cut to um, the radio hanging off uh, uh, its, its receiver just above the, the ground and you hear a gunshot. Um, I, I don't know. Are you... Um, it seems like you're, you're not... You're not buying the he was doing undercover work thing for all, all of the many reasons that we've now covered. Yeah, Do you? I, fi- I, well, I don't know because I, I honestly don't know how the military works at all. And yeah. I don't know how the how the military police works. And, you know, so. I don't, I mean, I don't, I mean, I don't know. It's just like the physical evidence is kind of weird yeah. for a suicide. But on the other hand, they mentioned in the segment, they did a uh, psychological, psychological uh, autopsy, which they don't explain really what that is <laughs> <laughs> or what that entails. But yeah. Um, they they end up basically saying, you know, he staged this elaborate suicide as to seem more important um, in some sense or like he was being a hero or something like that. Right. Or he took he took a shot in the line of du- duty, even though it seems like it was a suicide. I don't necessarily believe that either, but he did make a bunch of calls before his death. Um, to his friends, he didn't call any of his relatives, and his dad seemed very convinced that if he had been planning to commit suicide, he would have called him and be like, "Hey, Dad, I'm going to do a suicide." I don't know what, what, I don't, what yeah. Dad was expecting that situation. So I, yeah, you know, I, don't, I think there's a lot of questions here. Yeah. What do you it, think it, happened? Yeah, well, yeah, because there's there's a, just a lot of odd stuff uh, all involved. Like, because mm-hmm. either I mean, either way, if you're going with the uh, he was killed uh, as uh, doing undercover work, or he was uh, he committed suicide, I don't get what the point was of laying out his belt, his name tag, and his his radio upright uh, in either scenario. Like whether it's him. Mm-hmm. Him doing it himself, it was, if it was suicide, or the um, gang doing it, uh, uh, like laying it out after they 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 kill him. Um, I don't know. Like he he may not have necessarily been doing undercover work, but perhaps he just he stumbled upon people like so you know because sometimes you know uh, it's not uncommon unheard of for people you know they're sort of with, with a kind of criminal background involved with gangs or whatever to join the military um 
He could have stumbled upon something happening. He could have just been killed by a specific individual. Apparently, on his palm, there there was um, writing that said March 3rd and then Robert. Mm, which creepy. Yeah, I guess uh, I guess he was trying to warn us that that would be like I, that may have been the date that I was hired for my current job. Wow. So <laughs> I feel I feel a little under the uh, under the spotlight <laughs> about this now. Um, I mean, that would uh, explain so much. Yeah, I and mean, by yeah. so much, I mean nothing at all. <laughs> nothing at all. Yeah. Yeah, no, uh, I, I'm thinking maybe he just he, he came across something and he was killed in, in the struggle. And um, uh, it, this wasn't like a preconceived, like, we're going to get the, the, the infiltrator or something. It was just he, he stumbled upon one or two guys doing something, maybe drug dealing, who knows. And it escalated and he was killed. And the in the panic, the guys are like, "Oh, we gotta make this, you know, look like something." And so, you know, they 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 wrap the the cord around uh, his, his arms and do all the other jazz. And they 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 like they're just like, "Oh, we'll 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 set the radio and the the belt and something else out on the middle of the that one street." Uh, I mean, it doesn't make sense, but when you're panicked and you're trying to like think of things, I'm sure maybe. That would be the kind of thing where I'd be like, uh, uh if we do this, yeah. And, and, and like, it, it totally made sense mm-hmm. at the time to them when they. Yeah. I mean, I guess yeah. if the criminals were like 12 or something. <laughs> anyway, I don't, I don't know what happened here. I can say this is what the wiki says. Um, can you tell I just wasn't very engaged in the story in general? Mm. I watch, I tried watching, I re- rewound the segment a couple of times and I was just like, I can't get into this. Yeah. Um, the uh, After the broadcast, though, the investigation into Chad's death was reopened by the army. So it's no longer just case closed suicide. It's um, they uh, did a new investigation and the results were never made public. But I wonder if that's like a FOIA request we could make if we cared. Oh, yeah. You know? Uh, it's Well, it's been a few decades. Maybe, maybe yeah. we get a get our hands on those documents. Yeah. We'll, we'll some crack fo- the I mean, case. Like, <laughs> it, they'd have to release them, right? Because it's like there can't be a, a pending undercover thing from decades ago that he was involved in. It's still going, right? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I very much doubt that van looting um, uh, is, is still an ongoing thing. Well, um, Robbie, shall we move on to the quickest segment of all time? So there's a, what is it? Oh, this is an appeal. It's not a, it's not a final appeal. No, because, because, because uh, it's not a, a death sentence. Um situation uh-uh. no um, so this is just a you know a wrongful conviction and I, it really makes me wonder how unsolved mysteries susses out which of these to pursue like you know because everyone in prison is innocent right so yeah <laughs> so if they have help. i wonder 
how the producers like we're locating these cases when we've done final appeals or in this case just an appeal. Um, yeah, what the criteria is? Mm-hmm. The, were they just like reading through them? It's like ah, oh, this one seems sus. So yeah, yeah, I guess so. But I just I wonder what what you know. There has to be more information, or they have police departments or informants or lawyers or something coming to them saying like this just wasn't right. Uh, yeah. They didn't get it right this time. So Tony Miller um, was. Uh, way back in 1983 um i guess he was 27 years old at the time he was charged and convicted of a robbery of a restaurant in 1983 and during the robbery the assailant um had also uh, shot and injured an off-duty police officer in the robbery um no one was able to identify who the shooter was because the person doing the robbery was wearing a stocking mask. Um, and because this segment is so quick, we, we are not sure how Tony even got placed there or right. was identified as a suspect. Well, because well, well, yeah, he had been at the restaurant with two friends. Right. They went in, they either ate or they just got food to go. Right. And so we have a depiction of them walking to their cars, chatting happily right. as like Sorry. It was so fast I missed it. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, no. I mean Yeah. This this um, segment this <clears throat> segment is like only like 45 seconds long. Right. Um, uh, yeah. So like, Tony says, you know, I didn't do it. And if I was going to do it, <laughs> I, I prob- would go eat at the restaurant first, then drive my <laughs> own car back where everyone could see it and then come back in, you know, like I wouldn't be, I'm not, he's like, Hey, I'm not a criminal, but I'm also not an idiot. I believe that was a direct quote from Tony. Yes. Yes. And, uh, uh, in fact, Tony's a musician and an artist by his accounts. And, um, so, uh, yada, yada, yada. Tony's like, Hey, I didn't do this shit. And then immediately 30 seconds into the segment, we get an update and, it's uh, someone, the witness who had, I the witness who had been the prosecution's witness during the trial um, recanted their statement, basically. And what they said was they had never directly identified Tony Miller as the person doing the robbery. Yeah. Which is interesting. So when the witness came forward again and there was a picture of Tony Miller and then this other man... Um, who was the other man? Joseph Clark. Um, Some guy. The, yeah. yeah. The, uh, the witness said it definitely wasn't Tony. It was this guy, Joseph, but I was never shown pictures. Mm-hmm. I was never asked to identify. Is this, you know, did Tony Miller do the robbery? Yeah. Um, so this just really smelled like trying to throw a black dude in jail to me. Um, and they end up doing that because Tony gets out after eight years of his life have gone by. And I hope he sued the shit out of the police department. Um, at the and, very least, uh, <laughs> I feel like I want to look him up and see if he at least achieved some level of success with his um, music artistic career. And if he mm-hmm. has, and he has a website that has <laughs> like a web store, I feel like I want to buy <laughs> Buy, buy one of his albums to 
to to to show my support that he was well i'm gonna put i'm gonna rain on that parade oh no yeah sorry no i i mean it doesn't say that he's dead or anything <laughs> like that but uh um yeah so tony was released he won his appeal and um i guess clark this other man clark was i don't know if he was convicted or what but uh tony uh works at a he he works as a fast food cook at least he did back in the 90s okay so but i hope he i i really do hope he pursued his uh music yeah talents yeah, um, I, his lawyer said that Tony was like one of the best guys he ever met, though. He's like, this guy's fucking great. Get him out of jail. What are you doing? Yeah, I, I, I like <laughs> this was probably one case where uh, if, you know, because I, I, we've seen plenty of lawyers for for people and obviously mm-hmm. they're obligated to say what they say. And like this guy, either he was like, yeah, I totally believe he's innocent or at the very least, he's just like, yeah, he's a really cool dude. Um yeah. Uh, yeah, I like to think him and the lawyer like hung out, or at oh, least sent Christmas cards to each other. You know, I'm I'm so glad that you had that thought because I have to admit that while watching this episode, I kind of, I kind of had like the this mental fantasy that that happened. Uh-huh. I, I yeah. like you know they they they, they like they, they you know like um like Tony you know he's doing some music thing in a little club, uh. Uh, like two nights a week on Tuesdays and Thursdays, yeah. and his lawyer kid can't come and you know get a drink yeah. and maybe some wings or nice. something and, and watch them. Yeah. yeah. Um. What now? What I want to talk about is the mm-hmm. double layer of messed up because I don't know if you caught it because again the segment was only forty five minutes long. But I mean the police forty five seconds. That... Yeah, forty five <laughs> seconds. <laughs> We've already talked about it longer than the segment was. <laughs> than the segment, basically. Yeah. Um. Uh huh. The, the 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 guy who turned out to have done it law enforcement had had captured arrested him for something else and he had confessed he's like oh by uh-huh. the way i did this uh that that robbery uh-huh. at that restaurant and then i he guess sure he did. recanted he recanted yeah. later i don't know maybe cuz like during the actual when he's you know in the interrogation room or whatever maybe like at the time he was like maybe if i just confess to everything it will Mm-hmm. It'll work out better or whatever, but mm-hmm. I want to talk about something that might be a little controversial uh, or just um, weird. And uh-huh. again, since uh, since apparently you uh, uh, like, did you see in the reenactment they had like the 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 actual robber? They had someone playing him sort of mm-hmm. slinking through the bushes and then and then he does this delightful little like run hop in front of the um the front windows of the restaurant like like mm-hmm. like he's just thrilled to be to be committing this robbery but mm-hmm. when he first appeared on screen and then when later when they depict him being interrogated uh i thought that the actor playing him was not African American, but mm-hmm. rather was someone who was wearing some form of blackface. Oh did, no! Did it look? I didn't uh, notice that. Uh, no, but yeah. Oh no! 
I Oh no, unsolved mysteries. <laughs> I really hope that was not the case. Um I have to I they wouldn't do that. No, they they they, they couldn't have. They couldn't have. It, it, uh but the thing was it just it looked like it. It it, it I'm fr- I'm frowning a lot right now. Yeah. I have a big I, frown. I on. I mean <laughs> Uh, oh boy. Yeah, it, it, it's it's definitely a um um a, well, a, a finger in the collar uh, mm. sort of situation. Um, yeah. Well, I, I, you know, if I ever if I ever get to do a polygraph with the uh, original Unsolved Mysteries producers, I'll be sure to ask them. Hey, during the Tony Miller segment in season five, episode twenty. Did you put a reenactor in blackface or otherwise darken his complexion? <laughs> yeah, it it was it, it it really seemed like and I mean I I I rewound it and watched it a couple of times trying mm-hmm. to like cuz what did I just see? Like is Oh boy. I thought it yeah, it, like to me it looks like a maybe maybe a white or maybe a Hispanic uh uh reenactor. Who has uh-huh. been his his face is is com- has been done up to make uh-huh. him look darker in complexion, and I was yeah. trying, I was trying at first I I was thinking, <laughs> I mean later we see the actual mugshot of the guy who did it. I was wondering like did they, um, was when I first saw it I was like was it is unsolved mysteries implying that like, like a white guy did this robbery and, and makeup mm-hmm. or something. And, and, you know, just, just to add to the, uh, another layer to how ridiculous it is. But yeah, I just, I just had I'm to get have that to off go back chest. on that one. Cause I didn't notice that, but I certainly did not suspect that unsolved mysteries would be wading into minstrelsy. Oh, uh, it was really episode. uncomfortable, really oh, uncomfortable. Hey, um, let's talk about something else that's uncomfortable. (laughs) That's when you uh, murder your disabled sister. Yes, we're going to talk about Julius Patterson (laughs) and his girlfriend, Paulette Heat. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. So this is a a wanted segment because there is no mystery because the perp uh, Julius decides one day and we have no explanation as to why in 1991, he decided to do this. He called up a a Philadelphia detective, Pat Brennan. Now Pat bless her heart has uh, a very distinctive uh, Philly accent. I get so excited when we get these, (laughs) these these Philly natives on the show. It's just the best. Um, Yeah. Hey, what up? What up, Philly? What up, Pittsburgh? What up, Pennsylvania? You guys are great. Uh, anyway, <laughs> so Julius tells Pat, Detective Pat, he says, "Hey, I uh, we murdered a couple of peep people, <laughs> and uh, one was in '86, and the other one was in '88, and uh, one of them was my sister, and here's where she's buried." It's and, a very strange and, phone call to receive, I would say. Yeah. And again, the segment never really gets into what was the impetus behind Julius making this call. After, yeah. I guess, I something like three to five years or something like that. 
Um, so there's no mystery here. The cops go to the address. Somebody else lives there now. And, and the cops are like, hey, we got a tip. Can we go in your basement? And the person's like, uh, I guess. I mean, not really, but if you must. And yeah. sure enough, they go in the basement. And they were told if they looked, there would be a different colored cement um, from the rest of the cement on the floor of the basement. And if they looked under that, they would find a body. Um, sure enough, they lift up and then the reenactment was very thorough. So Robert Stack says they looked under a, a rug that was in the basement. And then immediately afterwards, you know, the people in the reenactment lift the rug. And I'm like, you could have just, did you need to narrate that part? You could have just I've, shown us. Uh, yeah. I noticed that too. I really felt like weird. there was, yeah, there was, there was uh, the, the, the narration and the reenacting was so in sync that you, you, you could have done without. One. Yeah. It's like, then the detective scratched his head and asked for some gloves. And then the detective in the reenactment scratches his head and asks for some gloves. Yeah. Um, so they, they reenact, uh, you know, they chisel away with a jackhammer and a, a hammer and this spot of cement. And sure enough, they find a skeleton, which is uh, foreshadowing of another segment to come yeah in this episode yeah. they find a sh- <laughs> they find a skeleton <laughs> what happened just then to me okay my brain is dying uh they find a skeleton and uh yeah so that's that and then uh you know there's this whole sad story about how patterson and his girlfriend had been the uh, caretakers of his 26 year old uh uh, deaf, blind, and um, mute. I feel like mute is not the correct word to say anymore. Sorry, everyone. That's what Unsolved Mystery said. Um, his 26-year-old sister, Jesse Jean, they had murdered her uh, ostensibly to keep collecting her social security or disability benefits. Um, the other victim that they admitted to murdering was someone that P- Patterson identified as Gordy. And I guess Patterson's girlfriend had been doing some unofficial caretaking of Gordy. And then they murdered him, too, and continued to collect his um, Social Security benefits. You can see that there's a pattern here. <laughs> yes. Uh... Um, you know, what this really reminded me of is that... Uh, Dorothea Ramirez, she was a serial killer in the Sacramento area. I used to live right by her old house. Oh, um, in the eighties, and basically what she was doing is she was running a boarding home for elderly folks or people who otherwise didn't have anyone. Uh, slowly murdering them, burying them in the backyard, then collecting their social security benefits. I see. Yeah. Um, so you know, tale as old as time. It is. Uh, um, and now, like, did direct deposit exist as a thing at this at this point? No. Yeah, mm-hmm. I was going to say because yeah. it seems like this sort of like um, crime would be a lot easier nowadays if it's just like direct deposited and you just like you have the person's ATM card or mm-hmm. and, and bank account info for sure. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then I, like I started thinking like, okay, what if like, you know, you're collecting social security and you just decide like, I'm going to like, I'm going to go, you know, live off somewhere in like some mountainside or whatever. And no one really know, like the people you used to knew, know lose track. And so there's not anyone who would ever report that you had passed away. What if you just died in the cabin 
and mm-hmm. th- that social security would that just ke- keep accruing month after month year after year if no one reports well, that you're I think this is the trick, right? Because the Social Security Administration, if they keep sending checks that aren't getting cashed, yeah, they will investigate. Oh, I believe, or oh. or stop cutting the checks, basically. Yeah, at, I, at some point. Okay. Yeah, I guess. But but the thing is, like, how how do they know what you're doing with your bank bank checking account? Do they do they know that you're not spending it? What if you're just no. You know, I mean, is Social Security, but are Social Security benefits direct deposited now? I know unemployment benefits are. Before, uh, but... before my mom passed, I believe, she, yeah, uh-huh. yeah, she was getting hers direct uh, deposit. Uh-huh. I mean, yeah, I mean, if the checks aren't, mm. if if the physical checks aren't getting cash, that would definitely like ring yeah. it, uh, 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 set off some alarms. But I imagine, like, you know, especially like, you know, like. Like, how many years or decades would go by this 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 bank account just like keeps accruing money? I mean, I mm-hmm. I, I don't think I don't think the the bank is going to be like, oh, we better stop these this money. From they being- might, yeah, banks might due to inactivity start raising flags. Hmm. Okay. At some point, so it might be the bank, not the SSA, that starts looking into it at that point. But okay. I really don't know. Hey, if anyone does know, though, please yeah. hit us up because this is actually interesting, and not because Robbie and I are planning some sort of fraudulent <laughs> activity with the Social Security Administration. No, okay. not at all. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, even though the last episode I told you how to do crime, that's not what we're trying to do here. Okay. Uh, so. There was something, I don't know, they got Gordy's benefits. I don't know why Patterson decided to call the cops. That's the most um, unclear thing. Like, why? Yeah, I don't get this. Because this this is why it becomes a, this is why it becomes a wanted thing. Yeah. Because they the cops actually pick them up in a motel in New Jersey. Or they go to a motel in New Jersey. Wait, what the fuck? I'm sorry, I'm getting the update confused. Oh, yeah, I think you might be uh, talking about the the update now. (laughs) Okay, so the FBI tracks them down to a motel in New Jersey, but they they find out that the couple had left um, about a week earlier, and they were last seen in Philadelphia um, when they (laughs) robbed and assaulted a friend of Patterson's. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, so there is an update. Sorry, I already gave that away. And so somebody tattles on um, tattles on Patterson and uh, Paulette Hite. And uh, they uh, Patterson, after he's arrested, he leads leads the police to an abandoned warehouse where he tells them that he had dumped Gordy's remains. Um, but the police record show that remains, in fact, were found in 1989 in the warehouse and they were identified to be Gordy's. Um, uh, but then when Patterson said, hey, we, we've hit a third body and he leads them out there. He assaults the officer and he flees the scene. Um, mm-hmm. But then they picked him up again at a bus stop. Anyway, they were both charged with, like, he was charged with manslaughter and armed robbery or something like that, and he was doing 20 years. And then the girlfriend, Paulette, was charged with armed robbery and was sentenced to six years in prison and has since been released. 
Yeah. Yep. Robbie, uh, this is just just if you can tell if the listeners can tell by my tone of voice, I I, I could barely stay awake during this entire episode. It was just. I Did wanted you, I wanted some meat. Well, uh, well, I'm afraid to tell you that you're not going to be getting meat in the next segment. No. But will there be bones? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we we'll, we'll have we'll, we'll have bones. Are there more bones? <laughs> be great if there was more bones and <laughs> more skeletons in this episode. There are more bones. Uh, this, Yay! <laughs> this segment might actually be the highlight of the episode. If I uh, hard agree. Yeah. This is this is a good mystery. Yeah, and and, it, and they started out in a fun way where they have Robert Stack, um, and the sort of little in- intro to the segment. He's 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 walking through a dark set. And there's a trunk, and he's talking about how fun it is that you know. About opening up old trunks, because you'll, you'll, you know, who knows what you'll find in them. Yeah. Wait, Robbie, before we get into this, have you ever, like, at auction or from an estate sale just purchased an old trunk or, like, footlocker or something like that? From, like, an auction or estate sale, no. Um, Or, like, a storage unit giveaway uh, situation? (laughs) No, I haven't. Have you? No, but now I think I want to get into it. Yeah, after this. I, I, I can, I can get into that too. Sounds pretty exciting. <laughs> yeah, I, I want to find some bones. as a hobby. <laughs> yeah. Um. Uh. But yeah, and well, I mean, and Stack's talking about how fun it is. He's like, it, it's really fun, you know. It, it, who knows what you might find? And he sort of opens the 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 prop trunk a little, you know, just a bit, like four or five inches just so he could see inside and he looks at the the camera with this with just this absolute devilish grin <laughs> like mm-hmm. oh you wouldn't believe what i just saw yeah and, and so we get um the story of uh, i believe this is in thermopolis wyoming um mm-hmm. and it, t- it concerns uh there's a guy named gabby who he mm-hmm. left some trunk with um, uh, his uh, somebody, a friend, I guess. His friend Newell. 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 Anyway. New. 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 Newell. Newell. Okay. Um, and I you know Gabby left him left the trunk like in a shed that he left to his friend. Uh-huh. And six years go by. Yeah. Um, and for some reason they, they don't they don't describe it very well. I'm assuming that that Newell was uh-huh. uh like he wa- he wanted to empty out the shed. Uh he's like, I got too much stuff. And then he, you know, he came mm-hmm. across the trunk and he's like, you know what? Gabby should have picked this thing up for me for years ago. He was in town mm-hmm. like two years ago. He could have picked it up mm-hmm. then. Um, so they have this weird reenactment where, like, you know, because he's he's he's, cu- he's going cutting through the lock with a um uh a blowtorch, and there is like everyone's assemble like the it looks 
there's like a dozen people gathered around him and mm-hmm. they all look really excited. I, I, yeah. I, I, I'm kind of, I'm trying to figure out what they're implying here. Did, did Newell, um, like tell all of his friends and family, Hey, come on over. I'm opening up the trunk. Yeah. We're having a trunk opening party. Yeah. Like it, BYOB, bring your own bones. Right. Um, <laughs> It was, um, it was, it was, well, it reminded me of, uh, I know we, we've talked about Christmas movies on a past pod. Um, mm-hmm. the, uh, I can't remember. You've seen National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, right? Of course. Uh, yes. Yeah. I believe so. I was about to say, of course, but I think it's closer to, I think I have. Okay. Um, there's a scene where, Ch- you know, Chevy Chase, he gets the whole, like, fa- ex- all the visiting extended family, he drags them all out in the front yard to, to watch as he lights, uh, plugs in the lights that he spent the first third of the movie putting on the house. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, he, he plugs the, plugs them in and they don't illuminate. And, you know, I, I just, the scene f- feels very similar to me. Like, uh, it would have... It would have been funny if the trunk was just completely empty. Like Newell had mm-hmm. like got dragged everyone to his place. Like okay, and he opens it up, and nothing. Um, mm-hmm. But then uh, it would have been tr- a real. Uh, what did Geraldo open? Al Capone's vault. Yeah. Yeah, it would have been a real Al Capone's vault situation. Situation. Yes. Um, uh, but as it turns out, there was some stuff in there. There's a there's mm-hmm. a bunch of bones. Yeah. Yep. And they have this really interesting de- reenactment of a phone conversation between Newell and Gabby where like Newell is you know, he's 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 talking with Gabby. He's like, "Hey, remember that trunk?" and he's just like it kind of feels like he's just he's mentioning all this stuff cuz he wants Gabby to Maybe like he like he's waiting to see if Gabby says something like the trunk. Don't don't uh, don't don't, don't right. open it. Yeah. Um, but Gabby mostly like he just gives this. Uh, yeah. Okay. Why? Well, Gabby, I I opened it up and there's a bunch of bones in there. Bones. Um. And they have this reenactment of what was it like the police interviewing Gabby in a restaurant? Mm hmm. Did you notice? Yeah. I, the, um, and the, the person interviewing him, like he's talking about how, like he just couldn't get a straight answer from Gabby. Like, Mm -hmm. uh, like he's had this trunk from anywhere from, yeah, he may have bought it in Iowa or Wyoming or Illinois, or or any number or of places. Mississippi or Oklahoma. Well, Oklahoma. he just simply couldn't remember. Yeah, where he got it from, and he can't really remember when. Uh-huh. Uh, so th- I mean, that seems that basically that does seem suspect to me. Though who knows? Gabby kind of looks like the kind of guy who would just like stop at garage sales all the time to buy trunks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, for sure. Well, at least the reenactor. That is yeah. Gabby. 
Right. Well, Looks yeah. like that kind of guy. <laughs> well, yes, yes, because we don't actually see <laughs> see Gabby. Um, no, Gabby is interviewed, though, but he's in the shadows. He's in the shadows. Probably a good move. Um, yeah. And then, uh, so, they finally, the forensic people for the state of Wyoming, they take out the 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 bones um they find a plastic bag for like a, a grocery store or something but like it would the bag would date from like the 1950s based off what the pattern was mm-hmm. and but the bones are much older than that so, so like someone like like i I think they they kind of they determined that the bones were from what from the early 1900s. Mm-hmm. Um, or someone yeah, born that's... in the early 1900s. Well, the gun was the oh. bullet in the gun was from the early 1900s. Okay, it was turn of the century. Yeah. Oh, okay. So yeah, so the, the the person could have been more recent. Yeah, they. Um, uh, uh, they they eventually like we get an update that it, the bone because mm-hmm. uh, they did a facial reconstruction, yeah, and, and then we get an update with a picture of like hey this was the guy, yep. Uh, uh, I would say the facial reconstruction is not very good. <laughs> no, the facial reconstruction. <laughs> when I saw it, I was like, did they find George Washington's skull? Yeah, exactly. That's who it looks like. I mean, they added like this weird pinkish wig. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, I what the fuck? <laughs> Unsolved mysteries. Yeah. So they I, they identified the remains through DNA testing as the update that we uh yeah. we get, which is weird because I really didn't think we would get an update on this one. So the the guy's yeah. bones, who it was, is Joseph Mulvaney. And that's mm-hmm. the picture that we see during the update, like through DNA testing has been identified. This was John Mul- Joseph Mulvaney. Um, yeah. What Unsolved Mysteries does not tell us is how the bones ended up in that box, how he was killed, um, why uh, New- Newell ended up with the trunk. Um, none of that is covered, but uh, boy, the wiki sure goes into it and it's delicious. <laughs> Oh wow! Okay, I I didn't I didn't even open up the wiki. Uh, so there's so there's some juicy I, I details. Just, in yeah, there? I was just reading through it, and um, I mean, I, this is definitely going off book of unsolved mysteries, but I think it's so worth sharing because it's bonkers. <laughs> so rem- so remember that the gun identified that had killed Joseph Mulvaney was from the turn of the century. So that was like. Oh, well, this guy Gabby couldn't have done it because the trunk was from the 30s. The gun was older than him. Like, the trunk was locked with a lock that was made before uh, Gabby was even born. And also, but weirdly, weirdly, there was a supermarket, plastic supermarket bag um, that was in the trunk with the bones uh, from the 60s. Huh. Remember that part? Yeah. They had identified the plastic bag. So that was a little strange. So that indicates that the bones had been buried somewhere at some other time and then put in this antique trunk. Right. 
Um, so, okay. So given all of that, this, yes, the remains do belong to Joseph Mulvaney. They were identified in 2017 where Joseph's granddaughter, Shelly had helped lead to the identification reportedly after seeing a re-airing of the unsolved mysteries broadcast. Now, listen, we were broadcasting prior to October 25th, 2017, but we had not covered this segment. So I'm going to say it is not, um, we didn't help. Okay, anyway, <laughs> DNA <laughs> testing um, with uh, Joseph's daughter slash um, presumably Shelley's mother um, confirmed uh, Joseph Mulvaney's identity. Investigators learned from his daughter, Joseph's daughter, that he had been shot and killed by her uncle, John David Morris, who was identified as Gabby in the segment in 1960. It is believed that Joseph's wife, who is Morris's sister, so so Gabby had married into the family and shot uh, shot his brother-in-law. Wait, his son, wait a minute. Okay, so if the daughter from his daughter that he'd been shot and killed by her uncle. Okay, yeah, that would be his. So Gabby was the brother-in-law to Joseph Mulvaney, and and he killed him in 1960. After the murder, Morris slash Gabby buried Joseph in the footlocker in Iowa. At some point, Morris dug the trunk back up or transported it to Wyoming, where he was working. He then left the trunk behind with Newell. He later moved to Mississippi, where he committed suicide. Joseph's remains have been returned to his family, and military memorial service for him was held on March 29th, 2019. Hmm. I um, see. And Unsolved Mysteries sure left a whole bunch of that out. <laughs> Presumably when they updated it in 2017 or around then, right? Because that's when right, um, they just the granddaughter got involved and said, hey, you know, this seems like we know this guy, Gabby, and like we know this story. So fascinating. Um, what do you think ga- happened with Gabby though? Did he just like forget that that dude, his, this guy he murdered, his bones were in the Footlocker? <laughs> Did he just forget? Uh, that's that. That would seem like a very uh, strange thing to forget. Um, I suppose. Uh, I mean, because here we have Julius in the previous segment he knows down to the square footage where he buried his people and right, gabby's just for leaving this, bodies this co- all over america <laughs> apparently oh man i can't account for this this is just so strange um yeah i i suppose well i mean if if if, if you murdered multiple people like i mean at some point if you murdered enough Mm-hmm. You 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 would start to lose track, right? Like certainly, yeah. Uh, I I don't know how many how many bodies that I'd, would require, but well, it's probably different for each murderer. You know, yeah. I might tune out after three. You might remember up to fifteen. Who can say? Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. That seems quite the oversight to just like, <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Yeah. It's like uh, it's like when you left. If remember when you left that cannon at my in my driveway for a while. <laughs> Crystal, I've been thinking about that for the last 15 minutes. <laughs> it's like if you had just left uh, a guy you killed in a trunk like that and just yeah. like left it at my house. 
Just just that and same level of like, yeah, I'm just just going to park it here and just didn't get around to it. Like, yeah, but and left it there for years. Like, I, I wonder, like, wouldn't it be funny if Gabby came through town uh, a couple of times mm-hmm. and he had the opportunity to pick up that truck and he like just he, couldn't I'm be, sure that he did. Yeah. Just couldn't be bothered. <laughs> Robbie, if if there are folks out there who enjoyed this whatever this is and uh can be bothered and want to reach out how how can they do that with us well if you go to twitter and go to at reenacted pod you can find our twitter feed uh you can send us email at reenact um pod at gmail.com uh we have a facebook page reenacted fans podcast um uh, I should go check on that uh, after after this <laughs> recording. <laughs> I, yeah, it's, it's, Facebook is a graveyard to me. So yeah, and if you, what's going on over there, and it, it's not good in general. Um, <laughs> and if you go to uh, Patreon, we have a uh-huh. one dollar tier. So for one dollar a yeah. month, you can just you know subtly. Support the podcast. You can so. just slip it in our G-string. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. Yep. Uh, we also have a $5 tier, which has exclusive content, um, which you get with that. But if you just want to give us a little tip, we're we're happy to take it from you. Um, you know, it helps pay our hosting fees. It helps pay our producer because, uh, believe it or not, this is a professional program. Um, also, we're getting very close to 90 five-star reviews, or sorry, 90 reviews total on iTunes. So if you, if we get to 90 and you leave your name on a review on iTunes, uh, we're going to do a drawing and you win. A, and if we randomly select your name, we'll announce it and you got to get in touch with us and we'll send you a prize. So we're trying to get to 90 reviews on iTunes. Anyway, I hope that made sense. Uh, hey, Robbie, do you... Oh, I wanted to say one more thing, because this is going to come out, I think, on December 22nd. So if you okay. are a Christmas person, Merry Christmas. If you're not, um, then I hope you are staying warm or cold if you are in the Southern Hemisphere. Yes. Because Keep I cold. don't want to be a Northerner, Northernist. Yes. Northernist? Northern Northern Hemispherist. I don't want to be accused of being that. So stay so cold crank or up warm. that air conditioning. Get some yeah. ice cream. Um, yeah. Go out in your shorts. Keep cool. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, I'm speaking to Australia and New Zealand only. <laughs> um, and and then whatever else is in the Southern Hemisphere. <laughs> uh, Robbie, I think you should probably do the thing before I keep talking myself into a hole. Join us next week. For another unsolved new new unsolved mm. a, a mm. new edition of unsolved mysteries. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>